Welcome to That Weekend Feeling with Darren Mann. It is That Weekend Feeling with Darren Mann. Talking about canned lion hunting today. Every single day in South Africa, at least two to three captive bred or tame lions are being killed in canned hunts. Hundreds more are slaughtered for the lion bone trade. This was the subject of an international documentary, a very successful international documentary released back in 2015 called Blood Lions, Bread for the Bullet. We're privileged today to have with us on that weekend feeling the director of Blood Lions, Bruce Young. He's a man originally from the Eastern Cape, and this past week he was visiting family. Bruce, thanks for joining us. How are you keeping? Pleasure. Thanks for having me on your on your show, Darren. Um, I'm good, thank you. Very, very good. And um, particularly good in terms of the subject today, bloodlines. Um, it's been a, a great privilege to be involved in a project like this, which is one of those rare campaign films that has had a serious impact on the ground where where it was aimed at, at achieving certain very, very... Um, distinct goals. Well, that's certainly very positive because uh, you released this all of eight years ago. So I'm guessing that progress has been made. Give us an idea of the situation today. Yes, um, um, I won't, I won't uh, give you all the nitty-gritty of those five or six, seven years ago, but in the last two or three years, um, the, the work of the campaign driven by Pippa Hankinson, who was our producer, and um, Dr. Louise Duval, who's the manager of the campaign, has achieved what we all set out to achieve, which is getting the attention of government and initiating the beginning of, of the ch- a change in the in the laws around this this industry, the can lion hunting industry. That was the goal when Pippa set out to make this film over eight years ago, 2011, I think 2012, she visited one of these lion breeding farms and was so appalled at what she saw that she knew she had to do something to to change the situation. And not not being in the film industry, but just believing that a, a story told in the right way would motivate people to, to affect this kind of change. And I think it was about 18 months ago, two years now, the Minister of Forestry and Fisheries, um, Barbara Creasy, after significant contact with, with the campaign and, and, and other, other conservationists, acknowledged that this was a, a situation which could not continue um, for many and various reasons, but one of them being that Brand South Africa was being damaged by this industry. And uh, that was that was something that was not sustainable. So she had acknowledged that they would work to change these laws. And that process is happening right now. Obviously, and, and we, we knew this right from the start, that this was going to be a very difficult and long process uh, to change a law around a very well established industry and um and but it's but it's happening so we we're very grateful that that she has come this far in 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 doing something which we all hoped for once when we set out this the six of us who were in the core team who made the film and as part of the the campaign the film was always part of a, a bigger picture um but yes it's been it's been a success to this to the to date um but we're not there yet it's it's not entirely shut down one reason is obviously 
the fact that there are thousands of people employed on these farms. So there's a social issue which has to be managed very, very carefully. Um, you have farmers who have, this is their livelihood, and you have 12 to 15,000 lions on these farms that cannot be returned to the wild. So, so that situation has to be managed as well. So we're a good few years from, from ending this, this industry as, as we set out to do, but, um, it's in process and that's a very, very positive thing. And when I spoke about being feeling privileged to be involved in a, in a situation or a, or a story like this, it's the fact that the power of story in, in the conservation world is, is one very effective way of, of making change happen. And um, that's the reason I, I do what I do. And so to, to be a part of, a project that has achieved this is is something that I feel it's 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 a good feeling. Rewarding, to be in that. rewarding. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The numbers I mentioned when I introduced you were from 2015: two to three lions a day being lost yeah. to canned hunting, and and many more because of the lion bone trade. Those numbers have dropped as we speak. Not really, Darren. For the simple reason is that as the these farmers and these hunting operations have seen the writing on the wall. They've they've offered bargain, you know, bargain basement, cut down prices, discounts, anything to to make a buck while they can. And um, and so, in, to our knowledge, these these numbers have have actually risen at times. Okay. Um, I don't know where we are right now today, but um, this the. The numbers around the lion bone trade have certainly risen because they've they're not able to to sell these lions to to hunters anymore. They tragically they they just allow them to die and then use the bones to make some money out of their out of their product because that's all they see it. That's a, it's a business and the lions are a product, which is one of the basic differences that that most people have with with this industry. You know. So the laws that have been introduced or are being introduced, has it driven them underground or are they still operating quasi-legally at the moment? They're still operating quasi-legally because it's it's not illegal yet, you know. Um, that is one of the dangers, obviously, that it could be, be driven underground. But at least then the, the authorities have have a, a position that they can prosecute on um, at the moment it's it's as, as we all know it's it's still a totally legal industry over and above the actual canned lion hunting and maybe you should just outline for folks who aren't aware in practice what does that mean these are lions in confined areas and they have been drugged so that they don't have all their senses about them and then usually rich international hunters have flown in uh, to shoot them as trophies. Does that sum it up? Yeah. It's a much bigger industry than that, Darren, because um, there are a number of income streams that are, that lions have been subjected to in in this industry. To begin with, the, the females are, are bred and they breed very quickly in, in captivity, which hasn't counted in their favor in, the, in this instance. But they are bred and then within weeks, their cubs are pulled and those cubs are then offered to supposed, well, to volunteers who pay enormous amounts to come to these farms and help raise them. Um, the, the female is then goes straight back into estrus 
and so she is bred again. So she's where cubs are normally with their their their, their mothers up to six months in the wild. They're taken away within three to five weeks. Um, so these cubs are then um, offered to these volunteers and told that they are orphaned lions and that they are the volunteers are helping return them to the wild in a, in a major conservation effort. Um, they're also offered on these farms as, as photo opportunities for tourists, cub petting and stuff like that. So you can have your picture taken, you can have selfies done um, with cute little lion cubs. So that's, that's the first income stream. Then as these lions get a little older they, and a little more difficult to manage, they can't cuddle them, they're offered as the walking with you can walk with these lions which is an, another tourist offering which these farms put out and for a you know a couple of hundred rand you walk for 20 minutes half an hour with with a few lions and some handlers and again you can sit with them and have pictures taken so it's part of that and the, the tourist um sort of industry then when they get too big even for the walking with lions that's when they're sold into the um the lion the canned lion hunting trade and sold as as you pointed out as wild lions to these international hunters whereas actually they've completely habituated to humans they as the vehicle the hunting vehicle approaches them they will approach the vehicle because they think this is feeding time and um and so the hunters can come in literally within 24 to 36 hours and, and, and get a get a line, as they say, take a line. Um, and then, of course, the, the trophy is, is shipped home to wherever they come from. Um, and the bones are kept by the, the farmers, the, the canned hunting industry, and shipped east where they're used in the in the um, the tiger the tiger wine industry because china banned the hunting of tigers in, in the late in the in the 20th century and so they look for a replacement and lion bones with it with an ex-based thing and so there's an an enormous number of opportunities for this industry to to make money out of out of a lion which is um the animal that we all know as as, as sort of the, the the king of the beast. So it's a it's quite a tragic story for for the lions, and it's been it's been hidden. It hasn't been trumpeted by this industry. They've they've kept they, they know they know what they're doing, and they know that it's not a not a popular um, uh, uh, sort of business to be in. And they've they've we've we've this film and this campaign has highlighted what they're really doing. And we've approached tourism in the tourism industry in particular, where we've made a, a, a huge impact on this industry, just reducing the numbers that making people aware of what they're doing and, and, and helping them to make a conscious choice as opposed to um, being, being duped as, as they have been for, for many years while this industry flourished, you know, what was the international reaction to bloodlines? Well, the industry, um, obviously, they they protested. They they took us to court, took the film company, took the um, campaign to court a number of times. Fortunately, with the, with the support of of a 
top legal firm in Cape Town who gave us their services gratis in support of the campaign, we were able to defeat every every single legal challenge that that we had over the over the years. Um, and so um, they've they've protested in the in the sense that hunters always say that they are the great conservationists um in, in the if people see the film they'll see that we were able to go to the safari safari um hunters convention in las vegas and and interview these people and they all talk about hunters being the cons the great conservationists which is you know, to anyone, any thinking person, it's it's, it's complete nonsense. Um, when you're taking the the, the, the the top specimens in in a in a in a group of animals because you want the best trophies, and so it's all about about ego and, and status and, and and that sort of thing as opposed to conservation rather than yeah. So um, the 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 reaction to answer your question, they they. There was a lot of noise about it, but I, I think my, my personal feeling is that trophy hunting is something that that has to die. It is dying out, and it has to die. It's just not not social, not acceptable anymore in, to, in today's world. You know, you've had some high-profile support, though. I do know the issue was raised in the British House of Lords a couple of years ago. It was. Um, Ian Mickler, who's the the journalist who was the central character in the film, also um, had a number of screenings in various um, um, the, the European Parliament. For one, he went to Iceland, he went to Washington, he had enormous success in Australia. So that's that's the the impact that the film has been able to make when you when you when you see the film and you can see the story around this this whole industry, which is. Uh, Clearly, not not what is presented by the industry. By the by the industry, people are immediately impacted, and um, so yes, that's it's it's been a very successful tool in in a, in a campaign to effect change. You know, which is awareness. Awareness, which is why I do this. You know, I, I believe stories are the way we 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 can we see our, ourselves look at facebook for example um and and how we can affect change if you can tell a story that moves people because we all make our decisions with our hearts then we think about it and and, and our heads come into play but if if you can make a, a well-made film that that is holds the middle ground and, and tells an authentic story can be a very powerful tool for change can you give me an idea, Bruce, currently, uh, how many predators are we, we talking about? How many lions still in uh, uh, small enclosures, in captive predator facilities across South Africa? And, and how many of these facilities, roughly, do you think are still in existence? The number is at least 12,000 lions in, in, in captive oh, wow. um, on breeding farms. Um, there could be as many as as fifteen thousand, but there's not not less than twelve thousand. And so, you know, the dozens of farms. I, I I don't have an exact number, but there are many many dozens of these farms spread out, mostly in the in the Free State, um, some in the Northern Cape and the Northern Province and Mpopa Province. Um, and and so people are still, I you know, I'm. 
regularly engage with people um, who ask about what I do and I tell them and, and many people still have not heard about bloodlines and a few of them still not, have not heard about canned lion hunting, even South Africans. So it's, it is, there's always work to do. It's all, it's an ongoing process that that's the whole conservation world. I'm involved in, in, in the, in the pangolin story at the moment, which is the most trafficked animal on the planet at the moment. And, and that's a much harder sell because people just don't know about pangolins. And so that's, that's the world I've, I've become involved in over the last 10, 15 years. And it's, as, as I said earlier, it's, if you can affect any change, it's, it's a very satisfying, rewarding business and, 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 and passion to, to have in my life, you know. Tragic as well, though, because you come across many sad stories, don't you? Many sad stories, and 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 it's a question I ask people at the coalface coalface of the conservation world: is how do you cope? How do you deal with with the fact that you you never really seem to 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 make headway? Um, um, I'm very involved with the Tiki Highwood Foundation in in Zimbabwe. Uh, Lisa Highwood set this up 30 years ago, and when I asked her this question, you know, because uh, she gets pangolins in from the illegal wildlife trade regularly and it, in fact i had a conversation last night and and she had 31 pangolins in care at the moment and you know when i asked her how do you how do you manage emotionally how do you keep yourself keep your focus and your head above water and she just said you just focus on the animal in your arms and you 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 do your absolute best for each animal one animal at a time and and uh, and that's kind of mm. what I've seen across the board with with people in, in this world is they they do what they can for each animal because they 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 get personally involved invested and they're they're passionate about effecting some change for for this animal they don't they don't get buried by the big pic, the bigger picture you know but sure. it's yeah you're right it's 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 lots of sad stories and. You know, I'm involved in another, in a new pangolin film about a single animal that was rescued as a pup and is now part of an, an amazing research program that is contributing enormous new science to to pangolins and and that's so that's a very heartening story and that's why we we want to tell that one as well. It's not it's not all doom and gloom. There are there are lots of little pinpricks of light out there in the darkness. You know. In case people would be interested in seeing the Bloodlines documentary released back in 2015, but still most relevant today, a compelling call to action to have these practices we've been talking about stopped and have the whole industry closed down. Where can they access it, Bruce? Can you tell us where? Yes. First of all, there's a, there's a, a very good website called bloodlines.org where there's all sorts of information and ways to get involved and help and, 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 and raise your own awareness. But the film has recently, the rights to the film, which was originally bought by Discovery, um, the Discovery Channel and broadcast all over the world, Netflix Africa had it for a while. It's now the rights have returned to the campaign and we've been able to release it on YouTube so you can look it up on YouTube, Bloodlines, and watch it for free at any time. And and I've watched it a number of times recently. It's at a number of screenings, and I 
surprised myself at how relevant it still is. It's it's a film that, for some of these campaign films, don't stand the test of time and things cha- lots changes. But this, it's it's still a film worth seeing, and and it still has information that is really relevant. We appreciate you joining us on that weekend feeling today. We're chatting with Bruce Young. He's the director of Bloodlines, Bread for the Bullet. Bruce, thank you for your time and all the great work that you are doing, sir. It's a pleasure, Darren. Thank you for having me on. That was That Weekend Feeling with Darren Mann.